Hello, and welcome to the Equity Foundation podcast. The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of Actors' Equity. Our mission is to assist, educate, and inspire performers. To find out more, visit www.equityfoundation.org.au. Hi, Alex. Hi, everybody. Lovely to see you all here today. There's quite a lot of you. And some of you, of course, have already been doing voiceover. Some of you would like to be doing voiceover and have had some experiences. Um, but may, perhaps a lot of you haven't, you know. So I did get a lot of questions that I, I feel like I'm going to be covering off in what I talk about. Um, this, this particular session is really just focusing on... Uh, it, the commercial area of voiceover. So it kind of, it, it will start with creating a demo, which is the thing that you need to do in order to get into the commercial area of voiceover. The thing about creating a voice demo, and, so, and this was a question that somebody asked, is about voice, your voice brand. Now, voice brand as an actual expression is kind of an American thing. They're always talking about voice branding. Really here, branding is, is often more about the product. So you don't want to get the two things confused. But your voice brand, you could say, is what style of voice do you have? Or basically, what is it about my particular voice when it's recorded, disembodied voice, just me without my 100%ness, what is it about that voice that somebody is going to buy? And that's really a, what, you're, what you're looking to discover in order to understand which area of voiceover you'd be most suited to. So, I mean, there are a lot of areas of voiceover, and I'm, some of you have probably been on the past um, webinars where we talked about audiobooks um, and we did talk about, you know, the whole landscape of voiceover and the fact that there are a lot of different styles and different kinds of ways that you can use your voice in voiceover. The commercial area, of course, that is that is the biggest area, the biggest money area. So, oh, I'm just looking at my studio in the background. I've gone big. That's my little booth over there in the in the corner. It's pretty sort of... You know, it's largely improvised, but it's working really well because, of course, now we all have to be working from home. I have worked in a studio twice in the past few months, but just about all of my work is done there from, from home now. And we did a session, the first session we ever did was on home studios and comms, as you can imagine, in the time of co communications department within equity has been flat stick for months. And there have been lots of webinars and lots of sessions. So it's taken them a while to get our recorded material ready to be put up so that you can access it. But for those people who are interested in home studios and what they may need to do, you'll be able to access that very soon. And I think, Alex, it might even be a good thing if we actually post in the e-bulletin, you can now get access to this podcast, this podcast, whatever. So the, the home studio one was, was incredible, very um, complete in what in the information it, it would give it gave you and um i had a studio sound engineer and another voiceover artist who has been working from a really proper home studio a proper soundproof room for, for some time so creating the demo right you know given that you've worked out what kind of voice you have maybe i'll start with how do you find that out all right how do you find it out well one thing, if you're thinking about commercial, then it's going to be about television, it's going to be about radio. So if you want to identify what kind of radio station you might get work at, you want to start listening to those radio stations and listen to their commercial breaks with a different kind of ear, with an ear for listening for yourself or an ear for listening to what kind of products do they, uh, what kind of uh, 
campaigns do they run or what kind of advertisers advertise on their station because that will give you the information about what their listening audience is. Although you can always Google listening audience for, um, you know, Triple M or ARN or you can always Google that information. In fact, Google will be your friend in any kind of voiceover research. So once you've sort of worked out, and, and if you're looking at television, television is very different from radio in the commercial area. Radio, of course, you are, you are just you disembodied voice carrying all of the message. So you need to make sure that you are also concentrating on creating visuals in your message. And I'll get to that when we get to the script work later. Um, television, you don't have to work so hard as a voiceover artist because your voice is marrying the basically the music bed and the visuals. So you're usually the last, of course, the voice is always the last one to go on to any kind of um, television production, the icing on the cake, you could call it. Um, sometimes the producers won't have even decided whether it's male or female, what age or what type of voice they want until the production is completely made and the script is really polished and, and finite. Then they, then they will do their casting. So creating a demo for the commercial area, you need to be really aware that you need to find, source or steal really good copy. Copy is um, things that have been broadcast it's okay for the purposes of a demo to put something else on. And I always say that if you are, um, for instance, our friends in, in New Zealand, hello, you guys, about half a dozen of you, if you wanted to get some material for a, a demo, go and listen to Australian voice demos on the agent websites. Change the name. Leave the product name out of it completely. Just get the good bit of the script. You know, you want script that has meaty language in it, that is actually saying something that's interesting, dynamic, funny. You know, so it, it, what you're looking for are scripts that can represent you as a voiceover artist who knows how to actually access a message and deliver it in different ways. Because, you know, a script is never just one whole thing. It's not just about the words on the page or you reading them in your voice. It's about you finding a way to access the meaning on behalf of the advertiser or the client through to the audience. So you are the conduit for the advertiser's message and the audience will be out there waiting to get your fabulous message. So that's your, your task as an actor. But of course, the thing about it is that it is not performance. We're talking about the commercial world. This is really about seduction and manipulation. So the seduction is really the fact that they have a product to sell and they want to seduce you to buy the product. It's no more than that. The manipulation is how they've structured the language. And copywriters in the commercial area are very clever and incredibly talented at shrinking language, at shrinking messages. So what you have to remember always that, as I said before, a script is not just one whole thing that you have to read all the way through. It is actually a series of different thoughts and ideas and messages that have been tailored and crafted to have the best possible impact to a listening audience. So they use lots of psychological grab you tricks too. It's clever. I've always enjoyed working in advertising. Um, so one way that you can get the material is to steal it. Um, Make if if you're in New Zealand, just you know, listen to Australian um, 
websites that have voiceover demos that you can listen to. The, the voiceover agent websites are a great source of information because you can hear not only what is the accepted standard, but you can hear how people are structuring demos. And there is a kind of an industry standard. On, to, to tell you the truth, I love to hear a demo that goes outside that industry standard and offers something a little different. Agents will always say, hmm, too different. It's a bit too out there. You know, I mean, you, you have to kind of, in a sense, you have to satisfy a need. And really the need for, for a demo, what you need to satisfy on a demo is are all of the samples that you've put on there, is that the kind of work that's actually being made right now that you, with your particular style of voice that you've been able to identify, would get? That's the question you need to ask yourself. The thing about voiceover is that often people say, oh, I want to do character work. Oh, I want to do this kind of work. I want to do that kind of work. It's, it's very seldom about what you want to do. It's got to be about what somebody else hears in your voice style. So you've always got to be thinking about that. I think it's hard to be insider, you know, you going, oh, what should I do? But that is really the exploration you need. So find people on those uh, voiceover websites that... Um, that answer, that answer that for you. Um, you don't need an agent to be a voiceover, even working in the commercial area. You just really need to know what you're doing, to know what kind of voiceover artist you are, and to have a good voiceover demo that actually does give great samples of the kind of work that you would be cast for. Um, so you don't need an agent. You need to get a demo. Somebody asked about um, finding you know, contacts for sending a demo. Audio production, you know, in your city, wherever you are, if you Google um, sound recording studios, audio production rec recording, or also video recording producers, so video producers use a lot, we're not doing a non-broadcast right now, We'll be doing that for the next webinar, but that's what you, you would actually do the legwork yourself. So if you just find the creator, start creating a list and make some phone calls to sound studios. At the moment, things have really changed. So things are a lot quieter. I mean, my agent reports that work is down 60%. Media buying is down 35 to 40%. That means that they are still buying media spots, spots on radio and television and online for advertising, but it's reduced. But, you know, they're still, they're rolling over products. So people who did a job last year that they think, oh, let's roll that out again, are still being paid a rollover for it, which is kind of good. And it will come back. It's not a great time at the moment because right now studios are not back to full operating. There's still people working from home and home studios. Still not quite sure about when that's going to change. Probably by August. So it's a great time now to start doing the work on preparing lists, to start doing the work on understanding what kind of voiceover artist you are. Radio stations too. You know, it is a matter of listening to the radio station and thinking, does my voice fit on this station? And you will hear a variety of voices on radio stations. For instance, if you listen to 3AW in Melbourne or any talk station, commercial talk station, I'm not talking ABC or, or, or government talk station, government funded talk station, um, you'll be able to, to hear that when it's a talk station, they have a really broad demographic of listeners. 
So the advertising reflects that. But if it's an FM station, it's going to absolutely be about what kind of audience uh, do they have. So just, just kind of tune your ear to that. When you are browsing online and you get the little thing that says um, skip in three seconds, don't skip. Have a bit of a listen and a look. You can look away because you, what you'll notice is that Oh, if it wasn't for the music bed and the images, I would, probably wouldn't understand what they were saying. And a lot of that happens in television advertising. As I said, it's supporting the visuals and the music bed. It's not the thing. When you're on radio or you're doing disembodied voice, uh, voice acting, it's all about your message. You are the one who's carrying the whole message. And when you listen to radio advertising breaks, they are wall-to-wall -wall words. There's very few gaps in radio advertising but you'll get lots of often in television it's more stylized so there'll be just a random phrase or especially car ads you know a driving sensation taking you from road to mountain you know what I mean it's like they don't actually mean much uh, in a conversation but with the pictures and then they mean a lot so um, getting cast right so now you've sent your demo and it's really shit hot and you know exactly who you are and you've got great samples on there there's no guarantee that you're going to pick up a job in the first week you send it out next week the next month you will always ask in your um in your email for feedback and even say that you would like to meet them and sometimes people would say we'd love to have this person in because we think that they would suit some of the clients we have so some studios will respond always ask for a response uh, some studios will respond, some won't. That doesn't necessarily mean they didn't like you. You know, sometimes somebody's had a call months after they've sent it to a certain studio. Uh, always, I think always when you're making a demo, it's a good idea just to, to have a whole lot of tracks that you're doing, maybe six to eight. Certainly six is a good number of tracks for any demo, as long as they are showing you doing different work, right? But the demo, the length of the demo shouldn't be any longer than a couple of minutes. Definitely not. You can get an awful lot onto a demo by just doing a sample that's 15 seconds. 25 seconds if, you know, it's a really great story and your performance is amazing. But that's a bit long. As soon as they hear it for 10 to 15 seconds and hear your voice, then they know, oh, that's a good voice. Oh, and the next one, really great style. Cool. Yeah, yeah, you know, so that's the way it kind of goes. Um, so, but, but hold some tracks back so that when you send things out to a studio and you get a good response from them, make a note of that, that that studio said, we really like your demo. And a few weeks later, send them another track. Just keep little tracks on individual files. You know, when you're putting together your demo, this is a really good thing to do so that you can do a little bit of marketing. So you have a reason to contact them, which is not a, oh, I sent you a demo a while ago. I was wondering if there's any work, you know I mean? You kind of have to be careful how you, you get in and get traction because I tell you, radio stations may churn out, well, at the moment, okay, well, they're 60% down. They could churn out 80 commercials in a week without a problem. Maybe we go down to, you know, half of that, 40. Um, sound recording studios who work with advertising agencies on big budget clients who have an annual budget for their advertising spend, spend a lot more time on refining the sound bed than they do on recording the voiceover. So they may spend eight hours on a sound bed mix 
that goes back and forward to the client and through the agency and what have you, and then half an hour with the voice record. And they may only do about 15 voice records a week. That's not unusual. That's quite a lot, really. So if you think about the amount of people who are out there wanting work, it's about akin to any kind of work in the arts. Hard to get traction, hard to get really consistent work. You can luck out, really, and uh, get yourself a um, regular jobs, which is really, that's where the gold is in voiceover, finding somebody who is looking for, well, vo this is where voice branding comes into it, the voice of, you know, the voice of this client, that client. Sometimes they want it for a, a short campaign, like something that's going to be on three months, but over and over, you know, they're going to keep doing radio tracks and everything, and they want their voice. I mean, if you listen to Bunnings, Bunnings has had, they may have had four different male voices over the past decade, um, but they've all been very similar. They always want a particular style of voice. I don't know why they change it up. Somebody like 40 Winks, which is known as the most fickle retail client in the world, they change them all the time. They just, there's a girl, there's a man in his 50s, there's a girl who sounds 15, there's a woman who sounds in her 40s, there's a, uh, there's, you know, there's a boy next door. It's hard to pick it, really. <laughs> um, so then getting cast. I mean, you have your, your voiceover demo to the studio. What happens is if they like you, they will put it into their system and they, they have a kind of a, um, a, a categorising thing. Everybody does it slightly differently, but they, they kind of categorise you, what they think they like about you. So if somebody contacts them, an agency, it usually will come through. The agency who's booking the studio will say to the studio, uh, we're looking for a voice, say they're doing a voice branding type exercise and they've got, um, they're doing um, an ad for Sunbeam. I'm making this up. An ad for Sunbeam. They want a girl, she's mid-30s. She goes to the gym, she meets her girlfriends for lunch. I'm going cliche here, but hello, it's advertising. Cliches everywhere. Um, she husband works in merchant banking and she has to iron his shirts, so she she got iron. Cliche, whatever. They're looking for a particular kind of voice. They've already made their television commercial. Now they want to make a radio campaign, so that the girl in the television commercial doesn't um, she doesn't speak. We just see her and she's all of those things with this fabulous iron. <laughs> and anyway. Then they, so they write to the studio and they say, we, or they call the studio and say, we want a voice that's, that sounds like our girl looks. So she's got to be this and that. And so they make, you know, they make a decision about what that's going to be. And then they send some samples of demos to that agency. They may just listen to someone's demo and it could be, oh, we had one through a few weeks ago from somebody who was really interesting and might be right up there, Ali. So they will just take a read from that demo and put it with a selection of others, maybe half a dozen, maybe a bit more, but usually about half a dozen is it. And they'll send those off to the agency and they're not named, they're just voices one to six. And the agency will say, yeah, no, or, you know, yes, I like one, five and six. So could you get them all into the studio for a submission? which we get paid for in voiceover. So you get $190 to actually go to the studio and work with the script and work with the producer. And that's your, that's an audition really. I mean, it's, and it's a paid audition, marvellous. And that is your opportunity to build the relationship with the studio 
and potentially that ad advertising agency. So this is where it gets, you know, can get a little tricky because it may be your first experience in the studio. So here's some sort of demythologizing information about your first experience in the studio. When you get down there, and of course you will prep in ways to, to say you're really hydrated, you're incredibly well, your heart and lungs are working well, that is you've warmed up in some way. I mean, warming up your voice with, well, I do a lot of purring and raspberry blowing, like that, and a lot of those kinds of things. You'll probably have your own sets of warm-ups. I, I do... I mean, um, tongue twisters are fantastic, but I actually use this form. I use the um, the vowels and the consonants together, but I, I use the, the, the consonants followed by the vowels. So the first consonant is B. So I baby, bye, boo, boo, cakey, kai, coco, baby, You can go all over the place with that. If you're going in your car, that's good. You can just sing along to the music if you're listening to music and do the baby by Bo Boo. So you don't have to think about a whole lot of things, just vowels and consonants. And really getting to, you know, using your chest voice, okay, then your, your head voice. And so kind of working through all of those things because you may, you may not know before you get to the studio why you've been invited or why you got this job. You won't know what the job is. You won't have been sent a script before. Um, because, and there's two reasons for that. One of them is the confidentiality reason. And the other one really is that voiceover is an incredibly spontaneous uh, experience. You know, so, uh, yeah. so once you're in the studio, you, you arrive there, there will be a producer and engineer if you're at a recording session. It'll probably be just the engineer if you're at a radio station. And basically uh, what they'll do is give you a brief or we're looking for, or we like this um, read on your demo or looking for somebody who, and you probably still haven't read the script yet. Then they will say, um, do you want to sit down and have a bit of a read of the script or do you want to hop in? So then you hop in with a script that you've never read yet. Then what you have to do is start reading the script really badly and don't worry about that off the page because what you want to do is is several things you want to start to understand the script but you need to hear it as well so you need to become really practiced at listening to the sound of your own voice close up I'm just going to do something here called making the big ears so you put your hand behind your ears and you pull them forward like that and you close your hands over so you can't have any gaps you've got to close them over and that will actually be a little bit like the sound of your voice through um, headphones so it's a good thing to do when you're practicing or you're, you're doing anything to do with voiceover to get very conscious of the sound of your own voice then you can actually work out whether you're too loud and often people will be too loud. The thing about voiceover is that it's an intimate medium. Unless the script calls for somebody to yell or use a boardroom volume, which is really what I'm speaking at now, or speaking from the stage volume, it is a quiet, intimate engagement. You want to be very careful with that because you don't want to equate volume with low energy because some people, as soon as they go quiet, they just let it all fall away. So you actually have to keep contained energy to a certain volume. And that's a that can be a really tricky thing. If you keep contained energy to a certain volume, you'll need to be you're physically totally engaged in the process. You need to actually be working from your core. And 
um, when you're look, when you are working with that script in the studio, what you need to be doing is every time you read it, don't worry about falling over, or don't worry about see what what they don't want to hear when you get into the studio with the script is a perfect read because it's not possible to give them a perfect read. In fact, it's quite possible that in the whole session, you won't do a perfect read with any run through. You will have fallen over this one or that one, or there's that bastard word again that I keep tripping over. However, what the producer is doing out there or the engineer, if you're just with the engineer, is marking the script for, you know, I said before that they were full of different thoughts and ideas, and these things are easy to cut together. We can take one particular reading of a part of a line out of one script and connect it to another read, uh, uh, one take and connect it to another take and piece it all together a bit like creating a patchwork quilt. So that's what I want you to not ever worry about in the studio, that you haven't got it right all the way through. Because as I said, it is not about getting it right all the way through. It is about getting every different thought or idea really smack, you know, smack on. And sometimes what will happen is that they'll go through that, you'll think, oh, we're up to take 10 and I haven't got it right yet. Well, you've got to stop doing that because you can't have judgment in the studio with you. You can only have process. And really what you're doing is working in what I call a collaborative triangle to create this work. So sometimes the engineer won't have even heard the script or he wouldn't have even read the script. Sometimes the producer, who's not the writer, hasn't even, you know, said the words off the page. So nobody said the words off the page until you start to do it. It's your job as a voiceover artist to find your way into the words, to sort of deep dive the language and try and understand the meaning. That is where there is no such thing as a dumb question. If there's something you need to understand, every different thought or idea, and soon what we're going to go through and I, with the three scripts that I've given you, I'm going to teach you how to look at a script and approach it by understanding how to break down language that is spoken word from language that is written word. So it's written word on the page. We need to convert it to spoken word. It's a very different kind of skill. So... Um, if this is a little tip if you're ever in in the studio and you've got your headphones on or headphones are really important too if you're not used to wearing headphones in the studio what you're trying to achieve is a sound that you're not competing with but it's the true sound of your voice it's got to be at the right kind of level for um, intimate conversation. So if the, the, the headphone phone level is too low, you'll want to be talking louder so you can hear yourself and that would be wrong. If the headphone level is too loud, you'll be doing this because it hurts to speak. So you have to find that sort of happy medium in the middle. So you have to kind of get used to it. When you, you know, if, if anybody is really serious about that, I would encourage you to get yourself set up at home with a, um, you know, a little set, you can get the, um, the Rode set, which comes with a microphone. So R-O-D-E, it's an Australian microphone. It comes with the interface, which is the thing that connects your microphone to your computer and whatever um, digital sort of audio work desk you're using. Um, and you, and then you start practicing and you start to really understand what you need to do with headphone levels and how you need to, to really get used to that, right? It's important. Um, so if sometimes they turn 
they mute you as in you can't hear them talking sometimes that's completely by accident they just haven't kind of kept the button open if that ever happens what people do is oh shit they're talking about me and they're saying i'm really fucking this up and i'm just i'm so crap don't do that just stay with the world of the words right just stay with that script and look at it more and more and more and go well, what about if i put this meaning under this and oh i suddenly notice that that word in that line is the emotional word in that line maybe i'll just put a little bit of that emotion under that word because you don't want to read the script in the same way with the same vibe all the way through that would probably be wrong things need to be paced differently Things need to have a particular kind of musicality or rhythm. In fact, people who are musicians or who sing, well, you know, it's like being kind of given a script with just the words and, and, and somebody said, now go write a melody for it. And it's not truly like that. But there must be melody in there. There must be story in there. There must be kind of pausing and pacing. Um, so if you're silent in there, just keep working with the script, they're probably not talking about you. They're probably talking about sound effects or how great that read was you just did except for line five. So sometimes what happens is that they'll say, okay, beautiful, come in. That's all, we've got it. And you'll think, no, they haven't. I'm stuffed. And they come in and they say, take a seat. We're going to put it all together. Then you will see them putting that all together. Or if they're sure they've got everything, they'll just let you go and say, thank you so much. Then you'll hear it on air and go, oh, I was amazing. I was amazing. And then you'll have to ring them up and get that for your, to keep for your potential new demo or to send as a piece of marketing. Because that's what happens with the editing. It's not just, you're not responsible for the whole production. It's just like anything that we do where a technical medium is involved, right? So offering solutions and ideas. When, you're, when you start to get into the zone and they say, yeah, this is really great, do it do it again, do it again, do it again. Make sure that you, when you do it again, if they say, oh, we love that read, that was fantastic, don't do that read again because they've already got it. Start out, stay in the same zone. When they say this is in the same zone, it, they mean pace, rhythm, energy, but just do a slightly different version of some of the lines as you go through just to give them options because they might go, oh, wow, that was great, that was the best one yet, yeah, you know, because you want to do that. You don't want to kind of be on, you know, just on repeat. Um, and that thing alone, being somebody who understands how to offer options for them to then edit, that gets a really big tick in the voiceover world. That's a really key thing to be able to, to get around. It's not essential. It's just it will get you ongoing work because you're known as somebody who collaborates really well. Um, so be careful, though, with things like, Grammar pedantry, if you're a grammar pedant, you have to leave that one at home, I'm sorry, and do it with your wife or your husband because it's really boring and because the thing about it is that commercial scripts are not, it's not a real conversation. It's often not even real language. We wouldn't say it like that. It's just made up stuff in order to seduce and manipulate. It's all good. That's just the commercial world. Um, but try not to correct something that is obviously wrong by saying, oh, it's obviously wrong. Question it. Does this sound right to you? And they may have not noticed it. They may sound, yeah, that sounds fine. Then you go with it. Often some, some, the grammar may be incorrect, but it actually sounds better. I know that's weird, but that's just the way it kind of flows. And sometimes grammar is incorrect for a, 
or, or they've created the language for a purpose. So um, a mic technique is really important when you're in the studio too because, and you'll get that with your headphones. There are some times where you need to be on the microphone, right close to the mic, very close to the microphone like that. Um, and sometimes you need to be back a little bit. It's depending on the thing. Really, it is depending on the thing. But the mic, you're, you need to, to understand how to work close to the microphone, especially if you have a studio, like a home studio. You know, my work here is the closer I am to the microphone, the better the work is. And it does mean a bit of, you know, positioning, um, being really clear that I'm not moving away from the microphone, all that sort of stuff. So the microphone is really important. The engineer will always help you with that. It's not that's not your part of your job. You just need to know that there is a microphone there, and you need to be consistent. So let's just talk about now. I think I might open it to questions now before I go into the the script technique bit. So are there any Alex? Like, oh, hang on, chat four things here. Four things. Okay. What model number is the road set? Hmm, bugger if I know actually. Oh hi Jonathan. <laughs> um, it's Jonathan. It's on the. It, it's it is mentioned in the webinar, or the. It will be a podcast. that's about to be put up on home studios, but it is the road. It is the road package. It's probably the NT one A or something like that. What format do we send the demo into studios? MP3s travel better in an email than a WAV file, which are much bigger. So if you're recording from home and you're sending to a studio, if you're just recording your um, cold tracks, your raw tracks really, and you're sending them to a studio for them to master and de-breath and edit, then I would send it in a WAV. Okay, Verity. Um, wrote NT1A, thank you, Connor and Tony. It's a cheap option, but an engineer cut the work, so he said, get the NT1. I have the NT1A and I think it's fine. Yeah, I, I have the NT1A and I, it's fabulous. It is brilliant. Um, but any road product is actually pretty good and it's Australian, so we love that. Um, do you think it's practically possible to make a demo at home? Ooh. <laughs> We should be getting them done professionally with, or with someone. I think it's really dangerous to make your own demo at home. You can make a suck it and see demo and see how you go on your own. Any coach or, or, or I would be careful about sending it to a studio for their feedback because they're just going to go, oh, I can't be bothered if they don't know what they're doing yet, you know, if you don't know what you're doing. So find somebody, do it on your own and just see how you go because really these days if you're setting up a home studio, you will not just be doing work um, with Source Connect. And Source Connect, for those who don't, don't, don't know, is the platform that allows you to record your voice at home, not into your digital audio workstation, that is your Audacity or your Pro Tools or whatever recording thing you have on your computer. It actually allows you to send your voice in real time through your, pardon me, through your microphone, through your interface, into your computer and straight out the window down to their desk in the studio where they capture your, your voice in real time. It's absolutely amazing, that technology, and it's costing me about 55 US a month to be on um, Source Connect standard. Uh, it, it cost about $120, I think, for the, the one-off setup fee. They have very good customer uh, customer service. It's an American thing. It can be a little tricky to set up, but you, you can find help. 
I'm sure you can find help. Um, I think get, get, you know, if you've never done voiceover before and you don't really know who you are, avoid doing a demo at home. The demo, when that person who asked that question, um, it would be really good for you to go onto the voiceover uh, agent websites and actually just have a listen to what the demos sound like because they all have production on them. Now, that's because sending a demo out, you don't want someone to say, look, I've just started doing voiceover and um, this is a bit like what I sound like. They want you to sound like you can solve their problem, which is not who am I going to give a go to this week who might be good. Who am I going to get to solve the problem of the question, who are we going to cast for this job who's going to be fabulous in the session? So that's something that you need to be thinking about. Voiceover is really hard to get traction in. It's, it is hard. And you won't do it unless you've got a really shit-hot demo. You just won't get anybody to even get back to you. So you can't do it. Things like people do a demo full of character voices and send it to a sound studio who's doing commercial stuff. It's lovely if you can do character voices, but what does it mean to them who are making pretty straight stuff all of the time with advertising agencies? Nothing. They're not going to be able to find a solution in your demo. So if you can do character voices, make that demo. Yeah, sure. Keep doing it. Or maybe if you get a job and you're out there in the studio, you might just, when you're having a bit of a run through from the script, just subtly show off a bit. Do it in a character voice or do it you know, with a slightly different meaning, if you know what I mean. Whatever, you, whatever it is that you want to do. But be careful that you don't make it about that. Just put it out there because that's sort of seduction and manipulation of its own isn't it i mean i i talk a lot in scripts about there being bait in the script so advertising does this very well often in scripts there will be a bait word or a bait phrase that is the one who's going to capture the attention of the listening audience really soon because we've only got 15 seconds or 30 seconds or 20 seconds or whatever we have to get to them really soon if it's the ad's not for you you won't listen it, if it is for you and that bait phrase or word works you will listen a, a, a voiceover demo is bait in itself so you want to make sure that you've baited that hook with a whole lot of really tasty bait to catch the right kind of fish which is the studio that's going to give you a gig right so bait is really important. And so I want you to listen to commercials from now on and listen for where is the bait in that commercial. It will be in the first line. It will probably be in the first few words, you know. Um, when I'm in the booth, I find myself monitoring my breathing because it's really loud. Oh, breathing. Okay, so forget about the breath. You have to breathe, but be conscious that the breaths are going to be taken out. So, you know, it goes a bit like this. Um, just picking my notes up, a, a triangle of collaboration. Ask more questions. If you're silent in there, keep working with the script. So when you take those out, it'll sound like this, triangle of collaboration. Ask more questions. If you're silent in there, keep working with the script so it's completely clean. You want to be careful that your breaths are, they can be really ugly because nobody cares. As long as you have taken in enough air to get you through the next, um, sentence or if it's a really long sentence where are you going to pause in the sentence for the breath so that if it was taken out there wouldn't be a pause there you know sometimes they write in very long sentences you either do this and hold on to your breath before you you when you get through the whole 
long sentence and as soon as you say the, the letter H all your air's gone so good luck with that one so you know that's they get taken out right in um, conversational style scripts just about always out you listen to radio station um, you know commercial breaks and see if you can listen for voices for, for, um, for breaths you won't get them you will get voices uh, but where you will hear breaths is the is the script that I've given you, which is the big pen script, which is which what I call I call that style of script a character driven script. It's not an ad, as in the the main person in the ad, the VO is not doing an ad. We don't even hear a product mentioned. It's a story and it's a performance. So you breaths in performance are about it's about wow well, you know um. I was just sitting there with my girlfriends and this guy came up to the table and uh, I mean, he was just so, uh, you know, it, those kinds of things. So the script wouldn't have had all of those exclamations or additions in. It wouldn't have had the breaths in. It would have had the copy. Then because you're doing something that is actually character driven, like a little monologue, you use breaths just like you, you would as a performer. You know, so being overconscious of them is not going to really, really help. So, um, yeah, so don't worry about your breathing being loud. The engineer will edit the breathing noises out. And you can also say to the engineer, I'm just going to take in a really big breath before this part, okay? Just just to kind of give yourself permission to do that by, by collaborating with the engineer on your idea for how you're going to get through that really tricky piece. How does one do, go about networking with actual creative agencies? Oh, that's interesting because way back in the 80s, I used to hand deliver my voiceover cassettes to all the ad agencies in St Kilda Road. I used to walk up the, up the street dressed up and drop them off at the front desk. We don't do that anymore because, because we don't go into places. I think you could call an advertising agency and say, I'm, I'm a voiceover artist and I would like to send my demo to a copywriter or to a producer. Can you um, put me through to them or give me a name and see how you go? It's a bit like, see how you go. Because somebody might say, yes, that'd be great. And some advertising agencies have their own in-house studios. So they do things like um, animatics or um, research narratives, which are things like, Oh, like we had in that, that Big Pen script, like this is a campaign for Big Pens, right? The concept, the whole concept thing. So you might get work where they're thinking, well, how, what will we do with this um, particular, what will we do with this particular um, campaign? We've got three different creative groups within the agency. They're all working on something different. We're going to put them all out to a research group, but we need a voiceover artist to record it and go like this. In this commercial, we see a, uh, a woman walking up to a red door. She knocks on the door. So it's like a shot list. The door is opened by a child who ha holds a sign saying, you can't come in here. You see what I mean? It's like a shot list, everything that we're seeing. And then you'll sometimes get other voices and things. So they often do those things in-house in their own studio. So it can be um, part, part review on home setup yeah 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 yeah. so yes the, the the home setup james is actually covered in a really big podcast that's going to be up on the um the equity foundation website really soon this week hopefully i think all i have to do is give it a tick go yeah yeah put it up anyway it's it's been a long time 
Um, are you about to do it? Yeah, so networking with studios is really the best thing. Practice working in a studio. Well, you can't practice working in a studio unless you've got a home studio. I mean, unless you have a friend with a studio and say, I want some practice, because they, there's no way you can practice. I mean, unless you do a course at a studio, wherever you are, you, you can call um, sound studios and say, is there anybody running voiceover courses? I do run one in Melbourne. Um, I only do about three a year because, of course, there's not, not everybody will be ready for a studio course, which is the one that I do is for when you're really ready to make a demo. We don't make a demo in it, but the stuff that you record is basically the foundation for your demo. Recording yourself at home and submitting a file. Should you edit out your own breaths? Well, that depends. If you're doing Source Connect, or if you're not doing Source Connect, you need to ask the person who's receiving it, am I sending you the raw files? That would mean you just get the voiceover fee. Or do you want me to master it? Do you want me to take out the breaths and time it? Because often they'll want it time. Now, that takes a lot, lot longer. I don't particularly want to be my own engineer, but sometimes a client will say, no, just send us the, you know, send us the job. We trust you, just do it. Very dangerous to work alone. I, I've decided I'm never going to not have the producer, even though if they said you just do it, not have them on the line saying, oh, yeah, could you be a bit slower through that one? Could you be a bit faster? Because otherwise you'll spend time going back to that file and opening it up and doing it again and doing it again because you're not a, an engineer. You know, they're saving a lot of money not going to a studio by getting you to do it. So you, you never want to do it for free. But um, it's good practice editing because then you want to edit for pacing. So, you know, you're really editing for bits of information. Has that bit of information gone in? Can I move on to the next bit? You know, you don't want to edit too close together. Sometimes editing, it's about the kind of energy you want to create. The shorter the edits are, the faster the read will be, obviously, really, but the more energy it will have. Um, there can be pauses for effect, you know, that you can edit out. You know, if, if there's some big thing, um, that you're moving on to. Yeah, I hope that's the best way of doing the studio. Let's move on to those scripts, shall we? Because we don't want to run out of time. I mean, I hope everybody's able to stay a bit longer because I am. And we'll start with the Kangaroo Islands. Now, if everybody's printed out their scripts and they've got a pencil, that's good. The reason I say get a pencil is because often in the studio, they'll say, oh, you'll, you know, you'll, They'll hear it for the first time, okay? So that, oh, that's the first time we've heard that off the page. Shit, that sounds a bit weird. Or, mm, I wouldn't mind actually starting with what I've got at the back end. So, of course, if you change it on your scripting pen, you cross out and you put it through the front and they go, oh, hang on a minute. Maybe it's better if it falls in the middle. Then your script's starting to look like a dog's breakfast and it's tough enough to read off the page anyway. So you always do it with a pencil and have a rubber in there. That's really important. In fact, somebody asked about what to take to the studio. Take a pencil and a rubber or an eraser. I'm sorry, I should call it an eraser. Um, so here we have a conversational script. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, they call this style conversational because you're not actually having a conversation. But what you need to imagine with conversational scripts is that there's somebody there right with you who you are addressing this to. Don't think about necessarily, well, think about your audience when you are looking at the script, when you're reading through and you're looking at the script. Who is your audience? Uh, this script um, for, for Kangaroo Island, Kangaroo Island is, of course, in South Australia. You would look at all of the things in there. Yeah, tough, seal, 
beaches, seafood. People come from around the world to visit Canberra. Oh, that's all. Yeah. For you, it's just a hop, skip and a jump across the border. Or who's you? Which you are they talking about? So where is just a hop, skip and a jump across the border? Well, it can only really be Victoria, can't it? So this is being played in Victoria. Well, that's good. Okay, that's fine. And then Australia's third biggest island is just one of the brilliant blends you'll find in South Australia. If you don't drink wine, you might say, well, what, what do brilliant blends mean? Because that does pertain to wine. And then to discover the rest, go to southaustralia.com. So now you've kind of got the concept. Ask questions. Then start to look at, so who is your audience? It's somebody who wants to go on holiday and Kangaroo Island is amazing and you're going to tell them how amazing it is. Um, what you want to look at first is the name of the script. It's Kangaroo Island. It is about Kangaroo Island. What is this script about or what is the product is the first thing you, you ask. You circle or put in inverted commas Kangaroo Island because that is where you're going to in your first line. It must have been a tough job to name is not what this is about. So you don't know. It must have been a tough job to name Kangaroo Island. Forget about all that. must have been a tough job to name Kangaroo Island. That's the only place you're going to, just where you're going, right? And then you've got a repetition of Kangaroo Island. There it is down there in line six but it's not about Kangaroo Island anymore. It's about another thing. So when you get repetition in scripts, especially when what it's about, the first time you say it, it's incredibly important. The next time you say it, it is usually about some information that comes before it or just after it. And in this way, it's coming just before. And it's about the fact that people come from around the world. So it must be amazing. And it is, I've been there. Um, uh, so what you do, just to, to test it out for you in the studio for how you're going to do that rhythm, it's you writing the, the little um, the rhythm for the song. So it must have been a tough job to name Kangaroo Island. People come from around the world to visit Kangaroo Island. You know what I mean? You wouldn't do it. It must have been a tough job to name Kangaroo Island. People come from around the world to visit Kangaroo Island. Because as soon as you do that in the same script, it's like, ah, oh, that sounds a bit shit. Why does that sound shit? And that, the, the, the answer to that is because the bit bit that comes before it is more important. So you let that kangaroo island fall away, right? Then what you've got to look at, I, I love doing this. I mean, I only got this a couple of years ago, how useful it would be to break the script into scenes. And as performers, we all understand what that is, but you might go, scene? It's a bloody 30-second radio script. But let's have a look at it. Okay, it must have been a tough job to name Kangaroo Island. That is actually your, that is your, it's, it's like your headline or it's the name of it. Then you go into the scene, which is you thinking about all of the other things that are, well, could have easily been called, that's concept, but what's there? See how it's telling you, the script is telling the audience what's there. They could have just gone to, must have been a tough job to name Kangaroo Island. People come from around the world to visit Kangaroo Island. For you, it's just a hop, skip, and They could have just done that, but they've got you creating some seduction with what's there. So it could, be, it could easily have been called. You've got really, really tricky language to sort out here. It, in the first one, it must have been a tough job to name Kangaroo Island will always sound shit. So you must abbreviate it. So so if everybody understands what a contraction is, it's I will becomes I'll. I take contractions a lot further in voiceover. 
it must have, M-U-S-T apostrophe V-E. It must have been a tough job because if I said it, you wouldn't notice that I did not say must have. But, but of course I've said must have. It must have been a tough job. Did I say must have? Of course I did. And it could easily have, could easily have, could easily have been called Seal Island. And the reason I'm doing contractions there is because it's not about it must have been a tough job to name. It could easily have been called. It's about Kangaroo Island. Seals are there. Natural wonders are there. Amazing beaches are there. And even seafood is there, right? So these are the important things. So it could easily have been called Seal Island. And you can even say it could easily have, it could easily have been called Seal Island because these lines here I call these separate thoughts and ideas so the first one is first thought and idea must have been a tough job to name kangaroo island <laughs> yeah next one has another thought this is what makes it conversational yeah I just had a thought it could easily have been called seal island that's because there's seals there and then you think of something else this is what makes it further conversational natural wonders island because they're pretty amazing amazing beaches island and you've got to be careful with the word island which is all over the place that you you don't make it about the island or you don't say the word island in the same way you make it more about the thing that they are just talking about or even seafood island and make it like you love the seafood and that's the end of that scene so you've got two scenes you've got the in a sense the announcement part or oh, i'm going to do this scene it's about kangaroo island could easily be down to seafood island sorry i'm probably going a bit fast aren't I? i'm trying to get through a lot of work then you go to the next scene people come from around the world to visit kangaroo island for you it's just a hop skip and a jump across the border so that scene is about how great it is how popular it is everywhere and for you you're really close so you can get there really easily then, uh, and of course you've got, for you it's just a hop, skip and a jump across the border. I would always do that like you're actually hop, skipping and jumping. Just a little bit. Then you go down to the next part, which is your um, third scene. Sorry, your fourth scene really. Well, third scene if, if the kangaroo island line at the top is just, you know, the opener. Australia's third biggest island is just one of the brilliant blends you'll find in South Australia. Now, what I want you to do is look at that line and know that there is more than one piece of information in that line. So even though there is no comma and it, and it goes, it's just one sentence, there, are more than, there is more than one thought or idea. And so the first thought or idea, if you haven't already guessed it, is that it's Australia's third biggest island, right? So for some reason, they want that piece of information in there. So Australia's third biggest island, you have to say that like it has some value, is just one of the brilliant blends you'll find in South Australia. So you see how different that first piece of information is from the one that's pertaining to wine and the one that says, you know, where we definitely are in South Australia, right? So then you go down to the next one. So you put a, you put a forward slash after island, that's my way of just marking up the script to say this is this is a pause or this is a different piece of information. And then you go to the, the bit down the bottom. To discover the rest, go to southaustralia.com. It does have a comma there and the comma is in absolutely the right place. To discover the rest, go to southaustralia.com. So you just give it a little pause there. And that's conversational. The other thing that you can do with conversational that can be very handy is that you put in your head and you can mark it on your script when you're in the studio. If you're um, 
often if you, if you need to imagine somebody's there, have them asking you a question like, uh, is that right? Yes, we have finished. What then? What next? Then what happened? You know, if you, if you actually create a fictional person who's there, which serves your need to make it sound conversational, then you can do that. I, I just do it in my head now, but um, it can be helpful just to write little prompts, just one or two word kind of prompts to help you make it more conversational. And of course, conversational is often intimate. It's more intimate. So, it, you know, yeah, mate, like it must have been a tough job to name Kangaroo Island, but you have to be, so this is your radio conversational ad. You know, voiceover for, for commercial radio is slightly, well, voiceover is a slightly height, heightened medium most of the time anyway. You are you using your voice, but you're not you when you're reading those words that were written by an ad agency copywriter on behalf of the client that you're delivering to, to an audience. You are somebody who's working language. You are, in a sense, jumping into personas just in the same way that you jump into personas when you're, you know, doing working on stage or working on screen. It's just different. You know, it's, it's not remembered. It is you are working, constantly working through the script to the audience. So you can never, when you're working with the script, don't ever take your eyes off the script. As soon as you lift your eyes off the script, you're in the room. And what's in the room? Distractions. The only distractions you need are those, those words. That As soon as you take your eyes off the page, you'll lose your place. Because basically you need to be teaching yourself how to read a little ahead. Probably people who read four to six words ahead do really well in voiceover. People who struggle with that, it's going to be, you need to read more. You need to practice sight reading more. Do you mix your tracks if you're using Source Connect? You don't. You just, they just go way down the line to the studio that you're recording them with. So Source Connect, you will be connecting directly with the studio and or the producers. So how I'm doing it with one studio at the moment is that the producers are calling in from their workspace um, through Zoom and the Zoom is connected to the Source Connect so I can hear them and they can they can hear me working um, and I can hear them saying yeah or no or whatever and uh, I don't have to record anything. It just goes straight down the line. So that is what Source Connect is, the ability to be recording from my home studio and it be captured at another studio through the Source Connect platform. Oh, Thanks, Jen. Great, beautiful. When you say you don't look away from the script, how do you work with that when you're doing a TV commercial? With a TV commercial VO with visuals. Well, you still don't look at the script. Oh, well, oh, I see what you're getting at. Of course, you get in there with your script, but you will see with a TV commercial, you'll get into the studio with a TV commercial. With the script, you would have already looked at the TV commercial outside. Possibly it, it has a guide track on it that somebody has, a producer or a whatever has, has recorded usually badly and they always apologise for it. But usually what they've done is that they've placed it where they kind of want it. Then it's really for you to, to listen to the music track and where they've placed it and listen for little music flourishes or, or the end of a bar, you know, the start of something um, so that you can actually, um, so that you can actually um, start to marry with that. When you get into the studio, then it will be, that needs to be a little faster. I need to take more time through that. Which is the word that needs to be slower or the phrase that needs to be slower so this will work. So there's a lot of push-pulling when you're recording voiceover for a television commercial because you are 
you look at this, I, I, I look at the, the pictures and, and sort of say the, the script dialogue out, you know, yeah, 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 just go through a little bit like that, not really, really working, but sort of working. And then I get an idea because we're only talking about 15 seconds because that's often what you do with um, Garnier because I do stuff for Garnier and that's often, well, often it's pretty wordy, but um, what you're trying to do is get things so that it works with that visual edit, you know, so that you are and you do need to make sure that that is um, on the money. So you do take your eyes off the script to get the feeling of it. But when you're, especially when you're working with a radio script, don't you don't need to take your eyes off it, so don't, but yes. So the next script, that, oh, hang on, I'll just see if there's anyone. As in, do you focus on the script and allow the engine? Yeah. And so what happens when they record it, they capture it. So the engineer can then move things around. You know, they can they move things around all the time. That was good. It was a bit late, but I think you started a bit late. So we'll, we'll just move it back a bit. Board examples of the types of work requiring close mic technique. Well, you know, it's all quite close mic. F farther away, you're too off mic. You know, you're often too off mic. Farther away is if you're going, hey, Bob, can you pass me the hammer? You know, that'll be like a, you know, kind of a, a character type script. Mostly it's just a message that you need to be delivering that needs to be, um, you know, captured in the best possible way. So you, you are always working on mic. Really what you want to think about is what is my energy level? I mean, am I actually working in a really, really warm place, just taking my time with this? Or am I actually, and without changing my volume, am I working in a really excited place and keeping it like this? You know, that's really, that is the difference. A music stand, there's always a music stand to rest the scripts on. Don't, don't hold your script because just as I'm working with my hands now, in fact, when I'm in the studio, it's a bit like I'm conducting myself because I am hitting words and phrases and... It doesn't matter, no one, well, yeah, somebody is looking, but they're not caring what you're doing. You need to involve your whole body so you can't be holding the script. That is deaf. Not only is it is paper noise noisy, you need to be involving, you know, use your hands because it's very expressive. Um, jingles are a whole other beast, but, you know, some studios uh, do jingles. If you, if you are somebody who is interested in jingles, then make a demo of some samples of styles that you're really good at and get them to a, um, music producers. Hmm. I, and I would ask sound studios if they know music producers or they have a music producer there or they, or they produce music, produce jingles. The value of a VO agent only. Yeah, you know. I mean, the truth is in voiceover, if you have a theatrical agent, your theatrical agent is probably not going to be asked by an ad agency or a studio, or we're looking for a voice that tastes, <laughs> that tastes, that sounds like this. We're looking for this kind of voice. They're probably not going to be asked that question. A voiceover agent will get a call from an ad agency, a copywriter or a producer. Can you, we're looking for an AI voice. Can you direct us to somebody who'd be good at that? Yes, they'll say, you can listen to this person, that person, this person, that person, right? And they'll have a listen. Um, so, you know, you, you have a, yes, I have a separate actor agent and a voiceover agent. Um, but you, this is your, you have to do this. Even my voiceover agent doesn't do any marketing on my behalf. I guess they feel like they don't have to. Um, 
but you know certainly with newer people they will send out something if somebody's just joined the agency or there's somebody new who they think is fabulous that the studios are going to love by the way to get a voiceover agent you really have to have been working it's very difficult for somebody to get a voiceover agent just on the strength of a really shit hot demo unless they can get vouched for by a sound studio or an engineer who says, oh, I love working with this person. They are so great at this, also good at this, not so great at that, but because agents want to know all of that material or all of that information because they, they don't want egg on their face by recommending you and then it hasn't kind of worked out. And they also want proof that you're good in the booth, which means that you're actually good in the sound studio, that you collaborate, that you contribute, that you're a, a darling to work with. Um, okay, right, let's go to the next script, the Campbell script. So this is an announcer style script. You know, announcer style was the first commercial style in the world way back in the 30s in America when it was, you know, this is the one I always use when it was... Um, this program brought to you by Velvet Soap. Get some on your body today. I know that wasn't an American accent, but never mind. But you know what I mean, right? Okay, so it's it's a, um, what you call it, is it's a, I forgot the word. It's a, it's a, I'll think about it. Anyway, that's the old style. Announcer style, of course, is really just you're the spokesperson almost for the for the brand it's not like you're having a conversation with a friend you are representing the company so this one for Campbell's and of course you know I talked before about scenes this one is all all of those separate lines almost all are separate scenes so you've got the first scene what do Campbell's kids eat when they're not kids anymore I'll, I will tell you I'll give you a little bit of a, it's a television ad so what you get is that you get the, um, the kid eating the Campbell's soup. Then you get the kid morph in, morphing into a man, a young man. Why is it a young man, you might ask? Who eats Campbell's soup when they're young men? Well, men do. Men, that, that, that's the, the audience is men. So a guy would probably read this but it's not you know all of these scripts could be actually read by male or female and of and a variety of ages really so what do Campbell's kids eat when they're not kids anymore and then you've got the the next line different scene I'll call that the billboard line it's like if you can imagine that actually on a billboard that you see on the road can't Chicken noodle soup just grew up. So all of those words have exactly the same weight. But just grew up is kind of the most important thing because that's what we just saw. We just saw someone grow up. But the most important word in that first line is Campbell's, but you don't want to hit it too heavily. What do Campbell's kids eat? And it's not kids, but they're Campbell's kids. So it, it is Campbell's there acts almost like an adjective to kids. What kind of kids are they? They're Campbell's kids. What do Campbell's kids eat when they're not kids anymore? And then you go with the next one. Chicken noodle soup just grew up. So whenever you do a billboard line, smile. Whenever you say the product name, smile. In fact, smiling in commercials is actually a pretty good thing to do. Otherwise, you might sound a bit dour and under, unless it's something very serious and you need to sound dour and under. Smile, it actually warms up your voice anyway. Chicken noodle soup, just grew up. You've got to sound like you're having a good time. And then we go to 
the food bit. Now you're going to describe what's in it. So that's a different feeling scene. Introdu and introducing new, forget it. It's not about introducing on new. It's about the food. Can you imagine what it looks like? Anyway, we won't worry about that now. Introducing new chicken and pasta with roasted garlic. Make it sound really amazing, even if it doesn't sound amazing. You have to do the work. Chicken and pasta with roasted garlic. Make it sound like that's just what you want right now, because that is you giving bait to that half-listening audience. So Campbell's kids, when they're not kids anymore, that young 23-year-old boy who's flatting with his mate, he's going to look at this ad and go, yeah. Chicken noodle soup, must get some Campbell's soup when I'm next down the shops, right? Because that is that is the audience. So this is who you're trying to capture. All right, so then it's roasted garlic. is soup that's a lot more seasoned, different scene, but then so are you. That is about you're a little bit older. So you, you need to know that that's what that actually means. Those last three lines there are really basically what advertising calls the... The branding or the positioning statement, it's Campbell Soups is the branding. Then the positioning statement is something that they put on everything. Good for the body, good for the soul. So there will be a way that they want you to say it. But you split that up. So you look at these things as not, you can't look at this script as one long thing because it is a series of very different thoughts and ideas and messages. So what do Campbell's kids eat when they're not kids anymore? Smile and pause. Chicken noodle soup just grew up. Pause and smile, take a breath. Introducing you chicken and pasta with roasted garlic. Pause and think about the next line. Soup that's a lot more seasoned. <laughs> then think about the next line, but then so are you. Then pause and think about branding, 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 positioning statement. Campbell soups, good for the body. Good for the soul. Now, you can do that and take pauses in between just as long as before you say anything, you've already worked out that you're going to be saying it with a slightly different bent than the one that you just said before because they all mean something different. They all have a different job to do. So you see, this is a really great example about how advertising shrinks the language. And then you want to – actually, you wouldn't want to time it because I think this times out to about 20 because I actually cut it – I stole it from an American – site and um and it was really really long it was all full of stuff and i just cut that down to basically you know a voiceover demo um length with, with all of the right kind of messages in there so if you have something like this on a on a demo and you make you pull it off then they're going to instantly go this person knows what they're what they're on about let's have a look at Oh, and the other thing I want to say about marking the script. Now, okay, so what do Campbell's kids eat when they're not kids anymore? Did I stop? No, I did not stop. So don't stop in a thought or in a single thought or idea. Don't stop. Chicken noodle soup just grew up. I mean, you can't go soup just, you have to kind of pause after soup. Chicken noodle soup just grew up. But you don't really stop. Introducing new chicken and pasta with roasted garlic. You don't stop. Soup that's a lot more seasoned. But then in the next one, you do stop. See the comma and see how it works. But then, as in you're thinking about what to say, so are you. You know, think about what you're saying. Um, yeah, Campbell soup's good for the body, good for the soul. So that one's marked down. Okay, thick pens. It's very unusual to get a, um, a brief 
up in a script like this, they would just tell you the brief normally. Um, I actually just made this up for the script because I know what the campaign was like. And so this was one of a series of, of scripts. Um, so this is the person is, yeah, so just coming out of an examination, university or, or whatever. The thing about the person is that you, you'll read this, this thing, campaign for big pens. If you have a big pen in exam, you can't fail. Okay. The characters are all telling stories of how they like those around them to feel like they're failing. All right, let's give, let's give that character a description. Mm. I don't know, perverse maybe? Mm. A bully maybe? I don't know. I could try those, try those things on. But think about what kind of attitude am I going to have that people are going to love to hate, right? Because really it's, um, the script is kind of funny. Anyway, whatever. So but the thing about this, these character-driven scripts is that they are not an ad. See the announcer person down the bottom gets to say, big pens, fail safe, in whatever way. That's probably a guy. The person can be a male or a female. I think it was a male. Um, what you have to look for in these kinds of scripts is what, what, what kind of language is it? Is it the language of um, uh, kind of opinion? Or is it visual language? Um, I'm the person who makes you feel inadequate is an opinion. Here's what I do. Or thought and opinion. Here's what I do. It's, it's, it's a thought. As soon as the examiner says, you may begin, now, we've, now we're getting into visual language. The next bit is, I open the exam paper, wait a few seconds and then go, yes, that has to be a visual story that we actually see occurring as you go through it. Like, there's a comma actually after the feel. Now that's a really important comma. Always question punctuation in scripts. There's either none and there should be, or there's punctuation that doesn't serve the, the, the reading. But if you, if you read, if you look at this one, I'm the person who makes you feel inadequate. It's a bit like the pauses for the person to be thinking up, what is the appropriate word? Because basically, it's coming out of somebody asking them a question. What do you like in an exam? Oh, I'm the person who makes you feel inadequate or whatever. Right? Here's what I do. So here's what I do is you can get that over with quickly. But the, the language of the visual language has to be a little slower. As soon as the examiner says, you may begin, and you can do it as the examiner or you could just say it, I open the exam paper, wait a few seconds, and it's always good before anything that says wait, you wait, wait a few seconds and then go, yes. So it's not loud enough that the examiner is going to be able to hear you and kick you out of the room, but it's got to be loud enough and the right kind of thing to affect all of those people around you who think they're going to fail right? So that gets back to the story. If you've got a big pen, you can't fail, but you like to make those around feel like they're failing. If you, you know, if somebody looks at the exam paper and goes, oh no, and someone next to them goes, yes, oh, they've got it and I haven't. So it's that kind of thing. So you, you have to imagine yourself in the environment with character-driven scripts, whereas Campbell's is a messagey script. Kangaroo Island is you talking to a friend. This one is you absolutely in an environment or a situation, right? So you, you get your pencil and you mark, you mark, I'm the person who makes you feel a pause, 
inadequate inadequate and practice a few different ways of saying that and on the day you know you want to with a script like this every time you start out it's got to be different but the same but always be careful of where you put the emphasis on words or the inflection on words it's still got to be about the story i'm the person who makes you feel inadequate because that makes you a real asshole and you are an asshole here's what i do here's what i do yeah as soon as the examiner says you may begin I open the exam paper, wait a few seconds, and then go, yes! <laughs> you can laugh, you can breathe, you can do all kinds of things that are not in the script as long as they're not words, right? Don't add words or leave words out. So you still have to have your eyes on the script, very important in this kind of work, because you need to be with it. Because sometimes, because laughing can sometimes come with you looking at what you're going to do next, like, uh, Yes. <laughs> like I know the answer to every question and this exam is going to be so easy. Or you could put, like, I know the answer to every question and this exam is going to be so easy. So you can question whether you make that a one long, um, you know, thought or idea or you break it into two. Then you go back to a little bit more visual language. So sometimes I bury it with a and then you go back to, the language of thought or opinion. Like, I can't believe they put such an easy question in a final exam paper. And then you, then you must pause to think about what you're going to say next. I think with these things, it's really important that just as you would if you were studying a scene um, for, for, a, for a screen performance or, or a play, that you understand the, the, your, your own thinking process. And it's a lot harder in voiceover because you've just got the script. <sighs> so stressful because you have, you have to do it now. But trust me, give yourself plenty of time to have thought. Pause for thought because the editor, the engineer can always close those gaps. Best that you do it when, when you're ready to make it sound great rather than you rush through. You can't rush through. And often I say to people, I don't want you to rush it, just take your time, and they rush through. And it's, hard, it's a hard technique to get that one of slowing down. Um, so, and then you have a new thought. Oh, oh, I'm working on a new one this year. You know, person could say, oh, yeah, what's that? I like high five myself, looks like this. <laughs> I think that's really funny. And go snap, yeah, yeah, and whatever, you know, and then big pens fail safe. So, I mean, they're, they're the three different kinds of scripts that you'll get out there in the commercial world. You know, they all have similarities. I mean, scripts are often written to a, a template. In, in all voiceover land, they're written to a template. Often it is a problem-solution scenario. That's a very common one. Um, and then you get the... The character-driven scripts, unfortunately, you know, we don't get as much character-driven stuff as we would like. Most of the stuff is like Kangaroo, Kangaroo Island and Campbell's. They're ads that are done on behalf of the client and they can be very creative and very entertaining and, and sound great on a demo or, or help build your career. Um, the character-driven stuff and the character stuff, character we haven't touched on today, but character is always delineated by characters introduces themselves first up. You know, g'day, I'm Luke qualified electrician hello i'm fluffy the house cat it's all that kind of stuff right and and then they will go on with the ad the next thing you'll find is the ad so uh, sponsor 
What's, what do you mean, John Sponsor? Um, Transatlantic, mid-Atlantic accent. Yes, very um, often, often wanted or requested. Um, it depends on what kind of voice you have. It, it is both male and female. They, they just want somebody to not sound very Aussie. But a lot of people, if we're talking in Middle Australian, um, you, you don't sound very Aussie. If, if we're, we're, round, we're not plummy, but we're rounder, we're rounder. You know, it's not, we're not flat veil. We're not nine and family. They don't want that. But Australians often, if you speak well, uh, you have to be careful. You still can't overpronounce um, uh, consonants. So you can't all of a sudden start putting T's on the end of words because we don't do that anyway in, in mid-Atlantic. Um, is the all caps format indicative of style? Oh, no, it's not. It's not. Uh, in fact, I should have mentioned it. The, the script, the way the script is presented to you has nothing to do with how you're to perform it. Scripts are not written um, of this, this one, I actually printed, I did this one myself because I broke it down from a bigger one and I just put it in bold because I often tell people that is not about yelling and if you get something bold in a script, always question it. Do you, do you want, often bold just means longer, not bigger, you know, that's really what you want to do with key phrases and things, make them a little, go a little slower through them. Media Super is the principal sponsor of the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work of the foundation, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Australian Actors' Equity on Facebook and Twitter.